The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. So I spent last Saturday for about four hours at the Three Arena alongside about 5,000 other people at the Ireland's Future event. I was both a participant in that I interviewed Colin Meaney on stage about what he wants for Ireland's future and his belief in a united Ireland. Also a little bit about the time he played Martin McGuinness in the movie The Journey, which was about how the relationship with Ian Paisley developed. But I spent most of my time as a really interested observer listening to the various people from all sorts of political parties from the likes of IBEC, the Irish Congress of Trade Unions, uh, various other interest groups, expressing their interest in how we could plan a potential United Ireland for the future. And it was certainly a very, very interesting day. So I've asked three of the people who were there to join us to talk a little bit more about what the potential is for a United Ireland. Senator Francis Black, you're the chairwoman of Ireland's future. So for those who weren't at the event last Saturday, what are you trying to achieve? Well, I think, you know, what what we were hoping and what we are hoping um, to achieve is really an increased, increased awareness that this issue is now front and centre. You know, constitutional change it must be... We must really look at it now and it has to be planned by the Irish government. And we just want to increase the knowledge that people in general have a broad issue on this, you know, and, and, and our event, I suppose, was a really important event to get those um, uh, opinions. We just want to start the conversation, Matt. That's really what this is all about. We, people have been fearful of having this conversation up until our organisation kind of have come together. And now... Everybody wants to talk about it. The Tree of Marina event was an unbelievably overwhelming success. As you say, we had 5,000 people there, you know, and they all came. It was a Saturday afternoon. We heard a wide range of opinions on the broad subject of constitutional change. You know, we had 34 participants and we had 10 political parties represented there, including Leo Vradker, Mary Lou MacDonald, Ivana Batchik, all leaders, Colm Eastwood from the SDLP. And obviously we had Jimmy Nesbitt, who was our keynote speaker. And Jimmy was, he, he finished off the day. It was phenomenal. He was Jimmy a revelation, to, Francis. It was an extraordinary speech. Just Oh, it was just phenomenal. It really was, Matt. I mean, Jimmy's from a traditionally unionist background and he believes himself that it could be the right time to have this conversation on what he calls a new union of Ireland. So there are more and more people from within the traditional unionist community now thinking along the same lines, people like Peter Adair and Andrew Clark, who are both part of Ireland's future and the working group and then we have Reverend Karen Sutherman and Trevor Lunn who are also on the working group and then you saw yourself Ben Collins who's just published a book um, called, you know, and, and look, it was just a wonderful, and thank yourself as well um, for, for coming along on the day. It was just a wonderful day and it was so, I was so privileged to be part of, of hearing those voices that were so powerful on the day. Francis, what you said there earlier, that people were fearful of talking about a united Ireland. What do you mean by that? I always feel, well, when we started off, Ireland's future started off and we started to go around and have these conversations. We've been having these conversations around the country. More and more people now want to engage. Initially, there was a little bit of fear around it. Should we talk about it? Will it, you know, will it will it cause problems? But now we see more and more people want 
to have this conversation. We see a huge appetite within the communities around our Ireland for the constitutional future of the island. You know, and, and actually we, uh, Ireland's Future, have commissioned research, published, published evidence to kind of stimulate the debate. And we've had, we've had town hall debates all over the country. And, you know, it's just, we, we, we actually cannot believe the response now that we are getting. People are hungry for this conversation. But is it those who were already interested? Because Pat from Monaghan says, why not contrary voices? You're talking to the converted. That won't progress the issue. Well, as I say, I I don't agree with that, you know, because there are more and more unionist voices wanting to have this conversation. I was at an event a few years ago and I remember watching a panel and one man from a unionist background said, why has nobody come to us and talked to us about this? We have businesses, we have the farming community who, who want to have this conversation. They want to see what it looks like. And that's what Saturday's event was all about. It's about hearing a wide range of opinions on how people see it. And I think Jimmy really, really did represent, on Jimmy Nesbitt really represented that new wave of thinking. Because what he said, and if I would encourage people to look back on, on the day, because you can watch it online, but what Jimmy said really was just phenomenal. And he was talking about poten- potentially looking at how we can become one and, and see how the best way to do that is. Louise O'Reilly or Sinn Féin, you weren't one of the speakers, but I know you were there on the day as mm-hmm. well. Jimmy Nesbitt was particularly interesting because he comes from a very traditional unionist background, had very limited interaction with people of the nationalist tradition growing up. I think he's a member of the British Empire or something like that. He received one of these awards from Queen Elizabeth. Uh, But he did speak as well, though, about the necessity to have this conversation almost outside of the political realm, that it needs to be civic organisations and people without actually been influenced by party political leaders from doing so if the conversation is to develop. What did you make of that? I thought that was interesting um, and I just, while while Francis was talking there, I was kind of trying to jot down a couple of names of, of standout contributions and Alva Smith, Eileen Flynn, Karen Zuzman, my own party leader. Uh, I, I felt that they made, you know, really good, but particularly Alva, because Alva talked about who wins referendums and much and all as I'd love to be the person and say me as politician or politicians in general will win this referendum people win referendums so it's important to talk to everyone and I think that's the point that Jimmy Nesbitt was making was that yes politicians might have a view yes politicians will certainly be part of the conversation but they won't be the only thing in it Uh, they won't be the only people at the table and other voices need to be given space and I think that came through and really when I was listening to to Alva she got very animated she got a fantastic she got a fantastic response from the crowd Um, and the reason was she had so much enthusiasm for this conversation and it wasn't a case of and I don't think it was with Jimmy Nesbitt it was like politicians get out it was more a case of we're going to need everyone so you won't dominate this space because real people will dominate the space and real people will have the conversation and when we look at the say we'll take two contrasting referendums we had a referendum on repeal of the Eighth Amendment and regardless of your views on the issue that referendum was conducted in a fact-based way people had information the people who were canvassing had information and there were very frank exchanges of views on doorsteps the length and breadth of of this state and then you look at Brexit where people voted that's they didn't know what they were voting for so that's why the conversation is important but there's no sense in me trying to just talk to other politicians like I could talk to, to Neil all day every day I could talk to Francis all day every day but actually we need to 
not get out of the way because we're part of it too but we need to uh, acknowledge and I think Jimmy Nesbitt was right that this is going to be real people that, that, that have to be part of this conversation. But then the Brexit experience as well the, the, the fact that you had a narrow majority in favour of Brexit but people who were absolutely swept up in it, this belief of English nationalism. I mean, is there not a danger that we could replicate that except it would be an Irish nationalism version in the way that the British have fallen foul of English nationalism? No, if we fail to plan, there's loads of dangers. But I think what we need to do is plan and we need to ensure that we have you know, a respectful and a fact-based debate and a debate that everybody is invited to because I think we learned that from Brexit and from the Eighth Amendment. The Eighth Amendment, we went out, we knew what people were voting for, they understood what it was that that they were voting for and we could have that conversation with people They knew how far it was going to go and how far it wouldn't. With Brexit, I think for every person that voted in the Brexit referendum, they had their own reason and so nobody was going to be happy because no one was going to get the Brexit that they wanted because uh, it wasn't properly explained. So I think it's not so much the result. It was more that everybody was expecting something different. A failure to plan in Brexit, I think, brought the uh, brought the British government to where they are now, which is in a cul-de-sac. Um, but I think if we fail to plan, and I don't think we will, by the way, I don't think we will fail to plan. I would like to see, and I, and I was hoping to hear, and we, we didn't get it this weekend, but maybe we will, a commitment from the Irish government uh, that there will be a Citizens' Assembly on Irish unity. And out of that will come the, the conversations and the platform to plan. Neil Richmond of Finnegan, what I took from your party leader, Leo Varadkar, who of course will be Taoiseach again from December, from his speech, was effectively a future shift in the current arrangements of the Good Friday Agreement. Whereas at the moment, Ireland has not quite observer status, but we have a special arrangement into the UK that that would then effectively be offered in reverse to the British government in the event of a united Ireland. Would that be a correct interpretation of what has been suggested? Yeah, I think that would be reasonably correct. And that's something I've spoken about before and had many conversations with many people about it, particularly in, in the unionist community that in due course they would become the British minority community. And we look at EU member states across the continent where they have significant minorities, such as the Swedish minority in Finland. We look at Belgium. We look at, um, you know, other countries like that. We're going to have to find and be generous in a way that we have 300,000 British passport holders in this jurisdiction at the moment and they're happily here, but we will have have a million people in the case, in when the day of unity comes in what was Northern Ireland who are British and you know a referendum we can't overnight tell them well you're no longer British so we have to respect their rights we have to respect their traditions and embrace it as best possible because I think there's no point talking about a united Ireland if it's just moving this jurisdiction north we've got to create a new Ireland a better Ireland um, something that really excites me about this conversation Matt is that when we bring our two jurisdictions together into a single unitary state within the European Union the potential is exponential we would be in a much better position rather than having businesses in Derry competing with businesses in Donegal for FDI. We work in a coordinate matter. Louise has spent a lot of time talking about how our health services can work in a far more coordinated matter. The same with our education services, indeed even our security services. There was a very good point made, I can't remember which speaker made it, but saying, for example, the National Children's Hospital logically should be a 32-county hospital for the benefit of every child in the island. Yeah, 
Sorry, Neil, just just on that, because uh, there are certain uh, services that can only be delivered when you have a critical mass. And so actually on a 32 county basis makes clinical and health based sense uh, as much as anything else. Neil, though, how did you feel when your party leader, a small section of the audience, booed him when he made those comments? I mean, was that discouraging when you actually heard that? No, because I look back at, you know, unionist and loyalist rallies over the last couple of months where Sammy Wilson couldn't even get a word out on the stage. We had 5,000 people in the arena, at least on Saturday, who disagree with each other on many, many things. And indeed, we disagree on what a future United Ireland should look like. But we all have the singular agreement that we want to achieve a United Ireland and to have the right and the freedom to push for the type of United Ireland that all of us want from our various political and, and cultural backgrounds. I wasn't disheartened at all, to be honest. Were you disappointed that we didn't have any significant unionist speakers, as in those who remain committed to maintaining the union, rather than those who might be sort of soft unionists? No, I wasn't disappointed like that. I certainly would have liked to see more representatives from the Alliance Party, because we have to remember that unionists, by the very definition, they won't vote for United Ireland. They are unionists, and I respect that. Um, but we have to ensure that when we're talking about a United Ireland in the future, it's one where unions might want to vote for it, but they will feel welcome, that we learn from the mistakes of the establishment of Northern Ireland. And indeed, many of the mistakes that our own uh, state made uh, in its early years and through the 50 years influenced by outside areas that perhaps didn't make those from a British or Protestant background feel welcome. And certainly, I think the Alliance Party have a huge role to play here as a representative of a significant other in Northern Ireland. But we can't forget, Matt, that there is a significant significant other in this jurisdiction who have to be shown that beyond the emotional draw, there's a massive economic, social and cultural draw to achieving United Ireland too. To finish with you, Louise O'Reilly, 10 political parties were represented at the event. If this is to succeed, if we are to persuade people who are of a British background that a United Ireland is best for everyone, is this something that Sinn Féin is going to have to share with the other political parties rather than trying to be seen to take a lead in it? Oh, well, I think there, there's room for everybody. Um, you know, I was very mindful of, as someone who's a pro-choice activist all of my life, there were people who I knew I would have regarded as very conservative. They came over to, to, to our way of, of, of thinking. They were persuaded. So we have to be able to persuade people, you know, and we need to be able to have enough humility to share the stage. We have, we will, we have done it. And I think uh, it's really important we make space for all of the voices. But is there not one other difficulty in that when the marriage equality referendum was passed, when the abortion referendum was passed, it didn't make it compulsory for anyone who didn't want to have an abortion to have an abortion or to get married to somebody they didn't want to, as in it opened up choice for people. Whereas if you have a United Ireland, you have a significant number of people who may then feel that they're forced into a country that they don't want to be part of. Yeah, but we need to be sure that, you know, people know that they're going to be welcome regardless of their tradition, that a united Ireland will be a warm house for people of all persuasions. And that's why we have to plan. That's why we need the Citizens' Assembly on Irish unity and we need it sooner rather than later. Actually, Francis Black, one quick one for you. Will you be having future events? Absolutely. Our next event is actually on the 23rd of November in Belfast in the Ulster Hall. We're hoping to get as many people up there as we did on, on Saturday. And just to finish by saying, you know, if we could just, if everybody could just imagine a new Ireland, like it, it, the opportunity to create something better, an opportunity to, to, to really reconsider the social contract and shape the country in a way that we want rather than the one we've inherited through the trials and tribulations of history, I think it would be just fantastic. I mean, this is around 
just bringing everybody along, making sure that everybody feels comfortable, really get the conversation going. And that's what this is all about. And that's what Ireland's future is all about. Senator Francis Black, Louise O'Reilly of Sinn Féin and Neil Richmond of Fine Gael, Thank you all for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.